Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining me today. We've got a show that will interest you, I hope, if you're interested in how God can touch lives, especially for young people. To me, that's the great challenge facing the Catholic Church. In fact, even the Protestant churches at this point in history. And so my guest today, again, returning is Debbie Herbeck. Debbie, thank you for coming back. Of course. And Rachel, thank you. Rachel Herbeck, her daughter. I say this is the dream team for reaching young Catholic adults and especially girls. So Rachel, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, this is going to be great. This is very great. And we just wound up last time, Debbie, with your testimony coming all the way from a 100% Jewish background in Chicago to encounter with Jesus through your college experience. And there's a little PS onto that that actually wasn't a PS. It was the big stamp. But just share that as we launch into our show today. Okay, so I, I'm praying, you know, for revelation of the truth about the Messiah. I am reading the New Testament, studying, and um, it's all it's all going according to I believe God's timeline. But I think the clincher for me was um, coming back to school after um, Thanksgiving break, and I had a dream. And in this dream, I'm standing in a long, dark hallway or corridor, and I hear a voice call out to me, "Who do you say that I am?" can't see anything. It's dark. A second time, that same voice, who do you say that I am? And as I look, I see the shape or an outline of a person, but I can't identify them. And then that third time, who do you say that I am? And in the dream, as I look up, Jesus is standing in front of me. And my response in the dream is, you're Jesus. You're Jesus. And so I go to the next morning. It's very vivid. I go and talk to my friend about it, and I say, do you think there's anything to it? She says, absolutely. And I said, you know what? I have all the head knowledge. I've done the studying. I know who this historical Jesus was. I understand the prophecies and all that, but I don't have faith. There's a piece missing in my heart, and I don't mean on an emotional level. I just mean in the deepest part of my soul. This could cost me everything. And Jesus, it's not a surprise Jesus says that, but I need to know that this is true. And she said, you keep praying, you keep seeking, you keep asking, and God will reveal that truth to you. And so it was just, honestly, a few days later in my dorm room as I'm praying, again, that prayer for revelation, that prayer for faith, I had this tremendous experience and encounter, I would say, with the person of Christ, God coming to me um, in a very um, unique way, um, I just knew God was there with me in some way in the in the room. I felt his presence. Uh, I didn't know who he was. And in that time, I just, what I would now call in Christian terms, I repented. And I said, God, I messed up my life. And I've broken many of your laws and your commandments. And I want another chance to do it better with your help. And in that moment, Jesus revealed himself to me and really offered me the gift of faith. And in that offering of faith, I knew it was true. I knew he was the Messiah, that he loved me, that he had a plan for my life, and that I was on the wild ride of my life. Um, but I, it was him, and I wanted to go with him in wherever he was leading me. And so that was really the beginning of this journey that I've been on for the last, you know, 40-some years. It's fantastic. And 
you are sharing what Christ has done in your life with others, and obviously you shared it with at least one person who's also sitting here in a radio studio. <laughs> Rachel, what was it like growing up with a mother who encountered Jesus in such a dynamic way? Yeah, well, I mean, growing up, we we didn't really know much else. You know, it was pretty normal for us. And then I, I like to joke when I went to college and began to share my own testimony, I would say, you know, I had a pretty typical Catholic upbringing. You know, my mom was a convert from Judaism. My dad is a Catholic preacher and in places around the world. And Catholics would come up to me and they'd say, that's not a typical Catholic upbringing, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so it was very atypical, but it was it was what I knew. And I would say now, looking back, particularly our Jewish identity um, as believers in Jesus was very important in our lives, and it's very important to me now as an adult, you know, to really um, be experiencing the fullness of Judaism, you know, to be receiving the promise of Jesus Yeshua, um, and to have that influence to have somebody in your life who really paid such a high price to believe and follow Jesus makes it very real to you, you know, because you're like, there's, there's gotta be something to this. You know, people don't just give up their family and their friends and, you know, all of these things for nothing, you know? So there's something here that like really legitimizes it for you, you know, that witness to the person of Jesus and the, him as the, really the pearl of great price, you know, that he's worth giving everything for. Yeah. Now, I have talked with both parents and grandparents, Catholic parents and grandparents, and the number one concern that I have heard, and, and I'm not alone in this, there's others, you know, for instance, I was at an EWTN radio conference, and number one concern expressed by the supporters were, I have this great faith in Christ, great love for the Catholic faith, but my children, my grandchildren— and you two right here today, you really are a dream team because both girls and young women, you are successfully reaching. And a lot of people know, how in the world do you do this? What are you doing? What do I need to know about it? I don't know who wants to go first because you're both doing such a great job. Okay, Rachel just pointed at okay, mom. Okay. All right. Um, well, the natural outgrowth of encountering Christ is to share him with others. So I, I start there and, and you know, I talk to parents about that and, and teachers and youth ministers. You cannot give what you don't have. And so it, it always starts with our own relationship with the Lord and continuing to stoke those fires um, so that we are more deeply in love with him and we have something to really give. But um, I've always believed deeply, probably because of the way that I was, um, my own journey with the Lord, that it's all about relationships. Um, not only a relationship with the Lord, the, you know, but also the horizontal relationships. Like we are really called to walk with people, to help people through friendship and relationship understand who this pearl of great price is. And so that has really been the foundation of how we've done ministry all these years is honestly one person at a time. And I love what Mother Teresa called that ripple effect, you know, as that one person catches a vision for the love of Christ and their own value, you know, the ripple effect begins. And so now I'm at the point of doing ministry for over 40 years, and I see that ripple effect. We have girls coming to our camps whose moms or grandmothers were at camp with okay. me. And so this is the generational piece of the ripple effect. It's not programmatic, you know, and we talk about in our ministry program is kind of a bad word because information does not change people. 
it's really the encounter and the personal encounter to begin. We need to grow in our understanding. We need catechesis. We need all of that. But we need that personal encounter. We need relationship. And that's what changes it. So we're very passionate about walking with girls. And, and some people say, well, I can't change everybody. But you can impact the person in your life, in your home, those in your sphere of influence, by the way you live, by the way you witness um, to the fact that Christ is real. So I want to underline to begin with building relationships, and that takes time and patience and perseverance and energy, and most people don't have any of those in their life right now. Now, one thing that struck me when you're saying this, um, I didn't hear classroom, and I'm not against classrooms. You've seen my library. I love to learn and love to teach, and I do believe in rigorous catechesis yeah. and knowledge, but yet it has to start with something. In mm-hmm. other words, that knowledge has to be built on a relationship with Christ, coming to know Christ, and yet so many parents and priests and deacons and school leaders are depending on something happening in a classroom for what you just described to happen. And it's you generally don't form relations. I mean, if it's at school, it's during lunch hour or in sports team or playground or whatever. So speak to that. In other words, we need in our day particularly to look outside of just classroom spiritual formation to come into this relationship with Christ. Absolutely. The classroom is is a supplement. You know, it, it helps, but it's, it cannot be the end-all, be-all. And I can't tell you how many kids are in Catholic education for 12 years. And as soon as they're done, they walk out the doors of that high school and the parish, and they never look back um, because they're, they're not learning the right things about Jesus, or they're not learning how to maintain and sustain and grow a relationship with Jesus. And we begin with the fundamental understanding that every human heart is made for God, that we're made to be loved and to love. And if that is our human condition, then our job is to help these young women know that they're loved and teach them who loves them more than anyone else. Um, and we we incarnate through the way we love them. This is God's love for mm-hmm. you. So, Rach, maybe you could speak to what our classroom is in the way that we do ministry. So what are the places that we re- are really teaching this? We have a lot of classrooms, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I think one thing, too, is when, when you then leave a classroom, it's then so easy to leave what you learn in the classroom setting, right? And not actually take it out into your life, especially when you're in your most developmental years. You know, we're working with middle schoolers, high schoolers, and then into young adults as well. And you need to actually, like, live it out. I I almost think of, you know, um, both St. Paul and St. Peter talk about, like, training unto godliness. You know, like, you're, you're exercising your faith in the context of your life, and you're learning, and you're growing, and that actually cements something in you. You know, so for a lot of our girls, they're, they are starting with our camp, you know, which is a week-long camp where um, we're not just, you know, praying the whole time. They're horseback riding. They're, we're doing funny skits. You know, we have a whole, um, a whole costume room there where we're dressing up in different costumes or swimming. We're um, having a talent show. We're doing all of these things because we're not trying to compete with the culture, but we're trying to build a culture. And what relationship does, it's very hard to build a distinct culture in the context of just a classroom, especially for kids who aren't just made to sit, you know. And so for us to think through what are the elements of our culture that we're building, having fun, 
you know, we love to have fun. So camp is a big classroom for us. Being outside, uh, we have a big white tent that we put out on our like a revival tent that we put out on the field and that's where all of our prayer happens you know and the girls they call that heaven on earth you know they love the big white tent and they love praying in the tent and being in the tent together you know so we have these places that we create um that are more so our classroom all the girls that i mentor and walk with we also we always meet at local coffee shops you know college girls love coffee they love being out and about you know so unless we're going to mass together adoration we're checking out the coolest coffee shop you know if the, if they're college girls and they're over 21 we're going and getting a cool cocktail somewhere downtown you know and and really doing the things that they like to do you know yeah i want to say a little bit about our favorite place the garbage dump yeah one of our we take um people on mission trips, you know, because a mission trip is a microcosm of what you then are supposed to experience in the life of a disciple, right? You're together on mission with other people. And the thing that actually binds you together in love is the mission. You know, it's not like just sitting and looking at each other and, and getting to know each other that way. But we go down and there's a big garbage dump in Mexico City where people actually live and they work sorting the trash there. And so we've been going there for years and we take Uh, both high schoolers and young adults. We take a medical clinic and it's really a ministry of presence, you know, together loving on the people who are there, giving them dignity, playing soccer, you know, amongst the the garbage, painting faces, uh, making bracelets, praying with people, um, giving them an opportunity to go to mass and confession. And so really service and getting outside of ourselves um, is one of the best classrooms. And we found every single person that's gone in high school, as a high schooler, they give up their senior spring break to go on the mission trip. And um, they always come back because they're like, this is the best experience ever. You know, so getting people into an experiential piece of the gospel where they go down there and they're like, I'm supposed to be giving. But what I'm actually encountering is the person of Jesus in the poor, you know. And so so to provide experiences where Jesus can show up as the person, as who he is, and people can encounter him as a person. And then maybe that's where some of the, the sitting in the classroom can build. But until they know the person, it's just going to be drudgery for them, you know? Well, I'm glad to hear that because I've been saying that for quite a while here. <laughs> and people think I'm probably getting really senile because I've no. repeated it several times. But I, I call it, you know, abstract religious data mm-hmm. floating somewhere in your brain and not even finding root until you encounter Christ, then that stuff makes a lot of sense. Now, let's back up, though. What age do you want to start reaching? And I'm talking about particularly the girls, because girls are, in our culture, they're they're the tip of the spear of devil trying to ruin our culture. So yeah. what ages do, are we talking about? Well, you know, when we started out, it was junior high, that camp. And then right. we said we need to walk with these girls through high school. Okay. So we got that covered. And then about five or six years ago, the Lord said, back it up because the culture is eating them alive. And if you just start with high schoolers, they're already too far gone. So we are now ministering regularly to, to high schoolers, middle schoolers, and even starting as far back as like nine and 10 year olds. We have an event we do every single year called Daughters of the King for seven to 10 year old little girls to begin to talk to them about their identity as beloved daughters. And they're like, we can't wait till we are part of what all of this is about. So 
you know, it's all age appropriate, obviously, but a child, I mean, Jesus talks so much about children and their capacity Absolutely. to receive. And we're, you know, we want to wait till they're formed, you know, intellectually and emotionally to give them the gospel with the way, if we are not a louder voice than the culture speaking into their minds and their hearts, we've already lost them. And that's what's happening in the culture through media is that's the loudest voice. And so I'm like, hey, I'm going to be a louder voice in, in a different way. So they're hearing a message that they deeply desire because we all know the culture isn't the fix. There's extreme isolation and loneliness and mental health and confusion about identity. When we meet with our girls, we might get you know 60 or 70 girls showing up on a weeknight. There are no phones out. They are dialed in to each other, to what we're doing, to the Lord. And that's part of our culture. It's not a rule. It's just part of our culture. And so they're able to hear. They've got a clear mind and clear heart, and they're able to receive what the Lord wants to give them. I, I really think there's a lot of wisdom in there if you're able to start early. Yeah. A lot yeah. of wisdom. And you know what? Start, and I said this to a young woman last night as I was talking, start with the girls and the families who already have a lot of buy-in. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's how you build a culture of faith is you start with those who already believe, who have a hunger for God, and you begin to grow that hunger in them. You begin to raise them up as leaders. And then all of a sudden you have this environment of faith where you can have somebody who has no faith step into and they're like, hmm, there's something here that's so attractive. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to stick around long enough to see what it is. And that's where the evangelization begins. Mm-hmm. So as I told you before, we do this about four and a half years ago. The girls came to me, the high school girls, and they said, we want to read scripture. And we want to study it. But the caveat, we don't want homework. These are high school <laughs> girls. They said, we got enough homework. Right. So I said, you find a time and I will be there and we will do. We yes. will study scripture together. So they came to me and they said, we want to meet at 630 on Tuesday mornings before school. And I said, it's happening. So for four straight years through the summer, we meet a little later in the summer, we have been studying God's word. This year we've had over 40 girls that show up every single Tuesday morning homeschoolers, um, parochial school girls, um, even some public school girls, and we are diving in and they say, you know, we walk into school and we feel armed and ready because we know who God is and we know who we are in light of that truth. That's like the best kept secret and I think one of the best things we're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the name of your ministry to the girls? It's called Be Love Revolution. Okay. And it's kind of like, it really is a mandate. You know, it's it's the revolution is a sense of we can change the world. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I believe that we can transform the world through love. Um, we can start a revolution, but we have to be love in the world. And in order to be love, we have um, three things. Be his, be free, and be love. So the be his is you need to encounter Christ. You need to know who he is, and you need to belong to him. The second is be free as your identity as a beloved daughter of God frees you from the lies of the world to be who God has called you to be. And when you know those two things, go out into the world and be love. And I don't mean Africa or Asia. I mean the world of your family, your school, your peers, your job. This is the places we're called to bring God's love and so it's 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 very powerful to see. It's uh, besides birthing my own children, I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen as young women walking in the freedom of Christ, confident, 
courageous, ready to step into the world and really be who God's calling them to be. Is there a website or someplace folks can go to learn more Absolutely. about? Absolutely. BeLoveRevolution.com. Okay. We're on Instagram. We've got chapters in different places because, again, this is not a program. So don't call me and say, give me your program. I'll say, I'll say, do you have a heart for Christ? Yes. Do you have a heart for young girls? <laughs> for you. yeah. Yes. I will mentor you in how to do this. We'll right. give you our logo and right. give you some tips. But this is this is grassroots, organic in, in how we do this. And then we want to raise up young women leaders that we're sending all over the country, whether they're universities or in jobs or in medical school or whatever, who are revolutionaries for love wherever they're at. Takes my breath away. This is so good. So absolutely good. And Rachel, you're doing something which I consider, or at least many people would consider impossible. <laughs> uh, you're reaching young women who, you know, honestly, I think many in the church would say it's impossible. They're gone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your generation, mm -hmm. uh, young women are just they're not interested in Christianity. They're not interested in being a disciple. And then you come up with intentional disciples, not just mm -hmm. kind of like attend mass. Uh, you're going all the way. You're going all the way. What Jesus, the Great Commission, was to be making disciples. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this. Yeah. So we are. It's great how it even works with beloved because, as my mom was saying, so much of this is generational. You know, and it, the, we need cross generational. We need those relationships to build on each other. And so what's amazing now is I'm receiving and mentoring girls that I was their camp counselor when they were 12, you know, and now they're in medical school at the University of Michigan and in a whole different, they're young adults, you mm -hmm. know, and facing a whole different set of challenges. And we're able to bring them into what we're doing and how we're forming people. Um, and so we work with post-college young adults, you know, ages 21 to about 35 with married, not married, with or without kids. And we really want to give people a real experience and way of life around communities of young people that are on mission. You know, and so a lot of what you've seen in historical young adult ministry is in is events here or there, you know, maybe an event once a month. And so what happens for people is they come out of college and college is like one of the most communal times you have, whether you're a believer or not. You know, you're living with your friends, sure. you're having fun, you're doing all these things. And then you go into a nine to five job. And I remember when I started my first nine to five job after college and I was like, I could see how people are depressed, you know, <laughs> because you've you've been in school and then you're like, and now I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life, you know. So you go to people go to work, they go home, they make dinner, they watch TV, they go to bed and then maybe they go to a young adult thing. And and the pursuit of faith, even for serious disciples, is very individualized. You know, it's like my own personal holiness and my own personal journey with God. And the communal aspect is not really there. And then also the mission aspect is not really there to say there's actually something that I'm called to do, which is share my faith. And am I truly living as a disciple if I'm not following the Great Commission? You know, am I I'm living in an incomplete way? So we really look for young adults across the country who are already hungry, you know, who have some kind of hunger to really do things differently. And then we do a significant amount of leadership formation with kind of core groups of leaders in different places, and we help them build a rhythm of life together. So not just getting together once a month, but to say, we're going we're gonna to be together every week. So the, our communities that we have on the ground, they're together um, once a week at least, and they live on a, on a rhythm of prayer, communion, and mission. 
So uh, we also call it up, in, and out. So Jesus lived right up on earth, up to his father, okay. into his 12, and out to the lost children of Israel. And so to say, we're, we want you to come together and we want you to just do normal young adult stuff together. You know, like, what do you like to do? Do you like to play Frisbee? Do you like to go to the gym? Do you like to hike? I don't know. Do that stuff together and then also pray together. Go to mass together. Begin to live this normal life together and then discern Jesus, who in our city and in our lives that don't know Jesus are you calling us to be present to? So what then what you have is young adults reaching other young adults, you know, so it's not just, you know, people from the parish, you know, or, or grandmas and grandpas or grandparents and parents, which are amazing, but it's their peers saying, hey, come into this, inv- come over to our game night. You know, don't come and don't come to the parish, but come around my table first and experience real relationship and real community and real trust. And then the door begins to be opened for then people to be like, what is what's going? Why do you guys love each other so much? You know, or why? Why do you get together like this? Why do you? And the life of the community becomes what we call a third space. So it's a space where the witness of the life of the community is a witness to Jesus to the people who don't know him. You know, so it's it's um it's evangelization through like this community model because we really believe that communities of believers they have to be on mission to people that don't know Jesus. And so we're seeing the the peer to peer um ministry be very fruitful. What is the name of your I'm not, I I can't call it a program. Your discipleship ministry. ministry. Yeah. It's called Acts. No, I'm just kidding. Acts Church. That's what we're reading about in scripture, right? So that it's called intentional disciples. And so those okay. communities that we form, they're called discipleship communities, uh, right. basically because we just have to have a name for them. But we really we think this is the way that believers are called to live, and that a lot of believers are are living. This is just one particular way for us to help you. You do that, you know. So we we really want to see a culture of young adults who are on fire and who are actually sharing the gospel with other young adults. Because I think we often think, because of the way that the culture is, that there's a lot less openness and interest in the gospel than there is. And I mean, even we've been reading in Acts in the in the daily readings, and you see, yeah, the, they're being they're being persecuted by the leaders, but at the same time that they're in jail, what happens? Thousands are coming to faith. Yes. You know, so at, while there's opposition, there's always a reaping of the harvest. So because of the way that institutions are and the way that the culture is, a lot of times we can think, oh, people, young people are so uninterested. Young people are starving for Jesus. A website where they can find out more about intentional disciples. Just intentionaldisciples.com. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they can find out how to bring it to Greenville, Columbia, and Charleston. Yeah, so all of our contact info is there. So if you see my name and my contact info, give me a call and we'll come out and we'll have dinner around your table. Okay. Right? And talk about people and talk about Jesus. Yeah. And and Debbie, again, the website for Be Love? Be Love Revolution. Be Love Revolution. Not Beloved, but Be Love Revolution. Dot Dot com. All right. Well, Rachel and Debbie, thank you so much for joining us in Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.